Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Fantastic. So, that Jesus is serious. Um, I want to continue. When I woke up on Friday morning, the first thing that Cheryl said to me was, what is Black Friday? And I'd never heard of Black Friday. I had no idea. We had no idea. Is it? I mean, just not a clue. So it wasn't on our radar. Wake up in the morning. First thing she says, what is Black Friday? I went, I don't know. Oh, it sounds to me like some memorial for a terrorist event. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. So I'm thinking, it's got to be a memorial for a terrorist event, right? Because that's kind of what it, it sounds like it should be, except for the fact that it uses the term Friday, and it was Friday. And if it was a terrorist event, that would have been on a day which wouldn't necessarily fall on a Friday the following year. So you're kind of left going, yeah, no, I don't know. So we Googled it. And then we had, like, the shock. Who had a shock? when you saw the effects of Black Friday here. And, and it's just like you're looking at it and you go, what the flip? What is in people's heads? And then you start to laugh a bit when you see how stupid people are. And, and the fact that there they are and they're, they're rushing in and you're watching all these um, security camera footage and people's mobile phone footage and the fights that are breaking out and people are fighting over these and they're just running in and they're grabbing stuff. No idea what they're grabbing. You haven't got time to find what it is that you want. I mean, if you're a sane person and you want a television, would you not go into a store or carefully consider what kind of TV that you want to look for? What size of TV? What kind of uh, facilities and features that TV would have? And consider what is it? Will it go in my room? Is it the right type of TV? What kind of screen quality does it give me? Am I going to be happy with this television after I purchase it or am I going to regret it? Is there something better? I give it and I weigh it all up. This is sort of things that maybe it's only things that men do. I I don't know. But I saw mainly men shopping and they were the most stupid people on the planet. They run in, they grab a TV, they put it over their head and they kick their way out of the store. I mean, it was just hilarious. And then there was, the funny thing was, then they were interviewing the kind of the losers of the day. Those who never really kind of worked it out. And they got this, they got this woman, they're going, and they're going, so um, what did you come for? She said, oh, I queued up for a television. And did you get a television? No, no. What did you get? I got a Dyson. <laughs> Did you want a Dyson? No. No, I, but I felt I should get something. <laughs> it's possibly... And, you're like, and the, once you start watching, and the thing that you like after that moment is that it's nice to know there are more stupid people in the world. <laughs> that if you ever kind of feel like that you're stupid or you kind of feel a bit kind of like deflated or rejected or something... It's nice to know that there is a whole group of people out there that just, like, insanity is something that they embrace open arms and they kind of run into it. they got to get into that. But, you know, the amazing thing about Black Friday is what it revealed in the hearts of people, what it reveals in their motivation, what it is that stirs up they're under pressure when, when, when you get into a crowd because it's amazing what people will do in a crowd. They get into that, that momentum. It says here in, in Galatians chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading from 
verse um, 13, Galatians 1.13, and I'm reading from the NIV version on this occasion. It says, you have heard my previous way of life in Judaism. This is uh, Paul speaking to the church. You've heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I may preach among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were uh, apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Now, this is Paul kind of giving the essence of who he was and what Jesus has done in his life. And Paul is like the competitive Jew. If, if, if Black Friday was a Jewish tradition... Paul would have been the winner. <laughs> if, it, if it was part of the, sort of the, the, the Jewish kind of annual feasts of traditions, it's like Black Friday. Buy your TV here. <laughs> and, and Paul would have been the one, elbows first, straight in, one in the throat, one in the gut. And he would have been to the front. He would have been with his TV, probably three TVs and a Dyson. And... Uh, <laughs> And he would have been on his way, working his way out of the store. Now, one thing actually I never noticed on Black Friday was anybody paying for anything. How would you know who's paid for it and who's stolen it? How would you ever work that out as your security man at the door? And, uh, but here is Paul and he's saying, this is the kind of man that I was. This is the fact when Paul was in the crowd, when he was under pressure... He was in that place where he was just listening to the voice of people and he was, he was raised in this way that he created this response within his heart. And he was the most zealous of all the people. He says, of all the people, he was far more advanced. He was far more competitive. He was far more aggressive than anybody else. And he was just going to be the best Jew that ever lived upon the planet. He was going to be the most conscientious. And, and, and all of that self this kind of lifting up of himself, that self-righteousness that he was creating, all of those kind of defined what was really in his heart. But here it says in Galatians and verse uh, 15, it says, but when God set me apart from my mother's womb, in other words, but when I was born, it's a more poetic way of saying that, isn't it? Well, when God set me apart from my mother's womb. Yeah, yeah, that happened to most of us. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me what an amazing moment that in Paul the man who has already revealed his personality already revealed his nature has already revealed himself has already shown the world what kind of man he is not under question, it's not under debate, what kind of, you know, I think somewhere in there is a nice guy. No, he wasn't a nice guy. There wasn't anything nice about Paul. At that point in time, right there, Jesus chose to reveal himself in him. You know, I want you to know that God chooses to reveal himself in us. 
that there is a... He doesn't say it's some... Um, some people would think that Jesus comes, that when we pray, Jesus will come from the external place and He will come and He will kind of work with us and, and help us to work our life out. That, that from that place over there, if I pray, I've said many times before that there used to be a song, um, used to play it many years ago now, probably so long ago that nobody would even remember it. It was... Um, I can't even know what it's called now. I remember Cliff Richards sung it once, which is, you know, that's, a, that's not a good start, is it? You're on a loser there from the beginning. But it, from a distance, God is watching us. I can't remember the, the song it's called, but he used to sing, from a distance, God is watching us. There was also a woman used to sing it as well. And I used to think to myself, what do you mean, from a distance, God is watching us? What a stupid thing to say. There, there isn't anything true about that statement. God lives all places, all the time. He's here in the midst of our lives. He isn't from a distance. But this is the fact that God chose to reveal Himself in Paul, not external to Paul. Are you with me here? He chose to reveal in him, in the man who had already revealed Himself and what kind of person He was. Jesus came and said, you know what, I'm going to reveal myself in that man. Extraordinary how that you know we can measure ourselves and judge ourselves by what we've already done, but but God doesn't even take that into account. I remember when I was a when I was a kid, about when I was sixteen years of age, I got a, a job um, working in a TV and VHS store. We had VHS players, um, but only top loaders. There was actually one front loader. That uh, it was kind of, but it was like about 500 or 600 quid, which, you know, in 1982 uh, is quite a lot of money. And uh, so we had these VHS players and, and TVs, and I got a job there, and, uh, which was good because um, I'd left school and wasn't doing anything. And uh, so I got this job and working in there, and in the shop was this woman, this fearsome woman called Mrs. Blackwell. And Mrs. Blackwell was. Uh, ex-farmer's wife um, whose, whose husband had passed away and she had reached retirement age but you know farmer's wives don't retire right they just terrorise the country and, <laughs> and uh, they just go around anyone who's on a farm and you never want to take anyone on any woman who ever worked on a farm lived near a farm there's something about them there's something about their nature they're just they're going to take you out and take you down. They, they've killed animals and they can kill you. And they, here is this woman and she, she was five foot in her heels and she was, probably, she was probably bigger on top than she was tall, okay? And she would wear... You're getting the picture, right? And, and she would wear glasses, right? So she would have her glasses on the end of her, the half-rim glasses which she would wear on the end of her nose like this and she would look at you like this. And then, but if she didn't have them on the end of her nose, she had them on her shelf, if you understand what I'm saying. And uh, <laughs> so that she had quick access to them to be back on again. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's okay. I thought that was decent. And uh, so, so she would have, she, glasses were always very close. It doesn't matter whether they were there or there, you know, they were, they were just kind of reachable. And uh, so she was, and she would be, she would be like this, Kevin, when you're on your own, 
I've got a whole boy in the shop. But when you get with that other lad, there was another lad, he was 16 as well. <laughs> and he was also at school with me and he didn't work with me all the time. When I've got, when you've got two of you, I've only got half a boy. <laughs> he said, if you've got three of you, there'll be no bleep, bleep, bleep boy at all in this place. <laughs> and she was absolutely, yes, Mrs. Blackwell, would you like me to sweep up after you? <laughs> and that was my, that was my introduction to, to working hard. <laughs> and what I discovered this, but when my mates turned up and they would come to work, we got a lot less work done. <laughs> it was amazing how the influence of the crowd revealed the nature of just kind of who we are when we just kind of relax a little. Not just kind of when we're on your own. When someone's on their own, they kind of just go with whatever's the right thing to do. But when they're with mates, they kind of just like, no, I'm just going re- to do my thing. And we would just do our thing. We would sit and laugh and, and, and not get any work done. But, but here's this woman. And I remember just being, I've just got to make sure I've got to work. Because she was revealing what was already inside of me. And you know, inside of us, there are, is a complex nature of motivations that is going on. But one thing that we know for sure that is inside of us, there isn't perfection None of us look at ourselves and go, wow, am I amazing or what? You don't, I mean, there isn't anyone here that does that. There is, you know, there might. <laughs> and there isn't anyone here that would, that would that kind of just look and go, oh, you know, I just feel so good about myself. And, and because we know by ourselves, the, the measure we use with ourselves, we know who we really are. We know what we really think. We know we, what really goes on in our mind when, and that's the beauty of having a mind that nobody else can see. It'd be terrible if you've got mind reading going on. Wouldn't that be terrible? And Because uh, we're all glad that nobody else can see our mind, aren't we? Because that's, uh, that's like it's a closed off space. And, and, you know, sometimes I wish I couldn't see my own mind. And uh, that would be helpful too. <laughs> but, you know, in all of our lives, we know that we're imperfect. But this is the amazing, the amazing message of the gospel. Is that it says here that Jesus by his, called me by His grace and it pleased Him to reveal His Son in me. It pleased Him to reveal His Son in me. In other words, Jesus came with a plan to start to look at people and go, I'm going to show the world how amazing I am in that very unimpressive person. Now, I know we live in a world where everyone's amazing, right? But we're not really, are we? Society has been telling themselves, we can do anything. We can take over the world. Yeah. <laughs> We've been telling the world. That's one of the things they've been saying uh, in America. They're saying that they've created a generation that has been lied to and the current generation has been lied to is that the world is here to serve them and they they can do whatever they like and the current generation is struggling because they can't and the world isn't going to serve them and you know so we've created this society but Jesus comes along and goes I know you're imperfect I know what your failures are I know that nobody else likes you. You're talking about Paul. I know that no one likes you, Paul. I know 
What an arrogant toad you have been. I know how much you have failed my purposes, but you know what? I'm going to show the world how amazing I am by loving you anyway. By giving you the chance to reveal the heart cry of what is on the inside of you. Because despite our own weakness and our own failures, we all live with a desire for a sense of purpose and a sense of like connecting to what is good. To just making that connection and going, I know I fulfilled the call, the destiny that lays upon my life. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7 says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have this treasure in jars of clay. I'm the jar of clay. God is the treasure. God has put his treasure in the frailty and the weakness of who we are. It pleases God to reveal himself in me, not next to me, not around me, not to do something external from me, but in me, God's plan is to reveal himself. In you is God's plan to reveal himself. In your life is God's plan to reveal himself. God wants to reveal himself in your life. And you know, this is one of the most amazing understandings. You see, God, it's not, it's important to understand that God is not understood by the brilliance of clever people or the arguments of professors or the smooth words of, of orators. That God isn't, he doesn't say, well, look, you know, there's a guy there, he's really intelligent um, and he's just got it all right. I'm going to choose that person to reveal myself to the world. I think we would choose those kind of people, wouldn't we? If, you, if, you, if you're looking for someone to do a job, you're looking for the best person and the person who just got it all together and I'll, I'll invest into that person because I'm more likely to get a better result. See, God doesn't choose the wise things of this world, the Bible says. He doesn't choose the brilliant professor. He doesn't choose the person who's just some smooth orator, some person who's just brilliant with words that can string whole sentences together that has the people clinging on the edge of their seats wondering what amazing words are going to flow. Some people are amazing with words, but, but God just simply chooses people who are frail, who don't know, who don't get it, who don't understand, and says to them, he goes, I'm going to reveal myself in you. In other words, he has a plan for your life which is far greater than what you can perceive or understand. And you know, the most amazing thing is that I'm going to quote a verse which if you've been in, in church, you'll know this verse. If you've never been in church before or you don't come very often, then you'll, um, you'll, not, you'll hear this and go, wow, that's an amazing verse. But for everyone else, we'll go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's one of the most beautiful verses there is. And, and when I was preparing this message, I was looking, I thought to myself, I wonder, if I, can, I wonder if I can find another verse that kind of says the same thing without using that verse, because we use that verse a lot. Don't we? we? You know, for those of you who mean church a while, we, we use that one a lot. So, so can I find another verse? And there are lots of verses 
that are saying that, but they don't say it anywhere near as well. <laughs> and it's held in other contexts. So I thought, I'm just going to read Jeremiah 29.11. And I want you to understand something amazing about Jeremiah 29.11. You see, perfection, God's plan is to reveal perfection outworked in imperfection. That's his plan. His plan is to reveal perfection. And this is the amazing message of grace, that that if God chooses the perfect person to reveal perfection, where is hope? Where is hope for anyone? There's no hope if you can't identify with the weakness of the person bringing the message of perfection. If you can't, if you can, if a person is brilliant and God is brilliant, well, what about the rest of us? This is the amazing thing. See, God chooses you and I because we're not perfect. He chooses you and I because we have failed. He chooses you and I because we've made dumb mistakes and we've made choices we shouldn't have made. And he goes, you know what? I'm just going to choose you and I'm going to reveal my grace in your life and I'm going to show the world how amazing I am in your life and I'm going to bring hope. And what is going to happen is that other people will see the hope that exists in your life going, I can get that. If you can get it, I can definitely get it. (laughs) If you can get it, then I can get it. But when it comes through people who we think are perfect, then we can't get it because, well, I was never like them anyway. I was never never that bright. I was never that intelligent. I was never that motivated. I was never that... But here, I'm seeing Jesus... He's touching people, just ordinary people. The rest of us are just ordinary. And Jesus comes to the ordinary and is saying, I'm going to show how extraordinary you can be with my glory shining in your life. That my purpose is shining in your life. And this is the amazing thing about Jeremiah 29. This is a word spoken to a people that were in captivity. And worse than the captivity is that all the Jewish prophecies and plans were only relevant to them in the land that they called the Holy Land. It's only relevant for them in that place. Does that make sense to you? So these are held in captivity. So, so big bad armies come along, raided Jerusalem, torn down the walls, taken a whole bunch of people, nicked them, put them into slavery, ridden off to Babylon, put them into Babylon, and then going and then held them in Babylon and and now they're there they've got no future in Babylon that's not their place there's no promise from God that has anything to do with Jews and Babylon you with me here so all of their hope is in a place that's been destroyed and all of their life is in a place where they have no future all right and God speaks these words he says for I know the plans that I have for you. Oh, suddenly then, now this makes a difference. Suddenly, God's saying, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. They had no hope and they had no future. 
There wasn't anything for them in that city. It wasn't a place of inheritance. They weren't there to inherit Babylon. They weren't there to take over. They weren't there to do it. Where they were supposed to be was Jerusalem. That's where their hope was. But God says to them, in your failure, in your mistakes, in your heartache, in your brokenness, I'm choosing to reveal myself in you. That I may give you a future. That I may give you plans for your life. You know, Paul set himself up for failure. He set himself up by revealing just the arrogance of his heart. And I think that we can all reveal the arrogance of our heart, even if we may not be so demonstrative as he was. We can all reveal the arrogance, just the the decision, I'm just going to do it my way. How many of you made those kind of decisions? Too many times, right? Too many times. I try not to think about my life too much. (laughs) I try not to let my mind cast back to the times when I've just gone, yeah, I really wish I hadn't done that. I really wish I hadn't said that to that person. I really wish that I'd just been a little bit quieter. A little bit. I'm quite a chatty person. And, uh, and sometimes I just chat a little bit too much. I wish that I hadn't. <laughs> and then sometimes I go away and I go, stupid boy. Stupid. Why didn't you just stop talking? <laughs> but talking is how I identify. It's like, it's my way of just kind of like going, this is me. And then other people go, really? Okay. Time to move on. And so there are these moments in, in your life where you, you see your own failure. But Jesus looks at you and says, I've chosen you to reveal my glory. I've chosen you to put a plan in your life that you may understand that my glory is going to be revealed through your life. You see, there are plans and purposes that God has got for you. There are plans for your life to do amazing things. What are those amazing things? Those amazing things are simply to let others discover the fullness of what Jesus has simply through the honesty of your own life. What I loved about Annie's testimony is just honest. It's that, it's just that simple honesty. And that's what we want in this house, is simple honesty. That this is just who we are. This is where we've been. This is what has happened to us. And this is what Jesus chose to do for us despite ourselves. And this is what you can share in too. This is the message of hope that changes people's lives. This is the message which restores hearts and heals lives and brings people's future back together again. Sometimes we feel like, where's it going? Where's my future going? Where is it going? You know what? If you let Jesus reveal himself in you, your future starts working through into a different direction. Cheryl and I, before we moved to Scotland, the year before we moved to Scotland, we'd had dreams that we would 
plant a church, right? But in all of those dreams, were just it was a, there was a lot more of us going on than there was God. Heart was good, mind was disconnected, and we thought that we might go to Spain. I don't even know now why we thought we might go to Spain. I think we kind of almost actually almost got talked into it. And, you know, you share your vision with somebody else. They get excited. They say all this and that. And, and then you add to it. And before you know where you are, you're the apostle of Spain. And I uh, <laughs> don't know how that happened. You know? <laughs> and uh, so, and we came and we... And then had the opportunity of meeting Pastor Ashley, who, if you've not met him before, he, he'll be coming through early next year. And we said, you know, we, we really want to train. We really want to learn how to serve God. And, and this is our heart. And we start telling him what we want to do, which is never a good move. Because he wasn't particularly interested in what we wanted to do. He just wanted to see what we were willing to do, not what our own plans were. And he just said, you know, I think you should just lay it all down. Just, just lay it down and let God pick up the call in your life. And in that season, quite short season of training, God decided to reveal himself in us. And instead of going south, we had to go north. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Many of you felt that wonder why, haven't you too? You're like, I wasn't born here, why am I living here? I don't know. <laughs> but suddenly you discover that you're called into a city. You didn't, you didn't realize you were going to be living here. You didn't. See, see, God moves in your heart and life to do things in you that you hadn't planned, but work out for you in a mar- far more marvelous way than you could possibly imagine. Because he, he wants to reveal it in you not near you not around you he doesn't want you to just be in a church where good things are happening he wants you to be the church where good things are happening he wants his glory to be in your life that you're part of something that is building the future not just for your life but for the lives of those who had no idea that there is any hope for them at at all. Let's stand up, shall we? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.